And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? 47, dude. 47 of 52. The home stretch is near and we're getting acquired. Whoa. Well, wait, wait, never mind. I saw acquisition and I got excited. Actually, what is an acquisition is what we're talking about, not talking about getting acquired. I'm sorry. Oh, man. I know. That's I was a big excited. Letdown. I like it's being acquired. Probably, probably like this episode might be, but we'll find, we'll determine that at the end of the show. I think it'll, you know, but, but now, you know, we're, this is something, you know, a couple of things about, and uh, you've had, a, you've had a couple companies get acquired and we're going to talk all about that. Do you want to give everyone a quick reminder before we get started about who's who, who the, today's show is brought to us by? Yeah, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Wix, helping you create a website you're proud of. Discover the platform that gives you the freedom to create, design, manage, and develop your web presence exactly the way you want. Go to Wix.com and check it out. Wow, that was excellent, Matt. We're we're training Matt because Matt, <laughs> aren't you going to start host? You're going to start hosting your own weekly show without yeah, me, very right? soon, very soon. Yeah, seven hundred episodes know, later. So hey, you know everyone, all businesses evolve at their own pace. They mature at their own rate, and they get acquired when they get acquired. And yeah. you know, so Matt, Matt, as you're well aware, an acquisition is when one company purchases most or all of another company's shares. They gain control of the company, or often purchase more than fifty percent of a target firm's stock or other assets, and it allows the acquirer to make decisions about the newly acquired assets without the approval of the company's shareholders in most cases. And you know, there's uh, a lot of other things that go into it. And, you know, there's, uh, uh, I mean, when you think about an acquisition, what comes to mind? Well, most people, that's the goal, right? They want to create something and then sell it and make a bunch of money and retire on an island somewhere, I guess, with little foo-foo drinks with umbrellas in them. I guess that's what they have in their mind. Um, I'm in. So I don't think that's really the way it works, but... Um, oh. that, that's everybody's dream is building something and selling it. And, um, you know, I, I mean, ultimately people's goals should be building a company that solves a real problem that people care about and people want to use and not just being focused on the exit part of it. But for a lot of people, that is the long-term goal is, is to sell it. So, yeah, I mean, I think for most people, the term acquisition means your company gets bought by someone, something, somehow. And, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. Now, you also, you know, you hear on the, in, in quote, Wall Street, M&A, mergers and acquisitions. Is a merger the same as an acquisition? Not, ex I mean, at a high level, yes. As a legal technicalities, no. Not exactly. Okay, I mean, so mer mer 
a merger is mushing two companies together into one parent company. And you, know, you see this happen a lot. There's like a lot of different reasons for mergers and mergers and acquisitions. And sometimes on like a really high level, really big companies end up merging together because they can't compete. Well, and I'd say at a high level merger and acquisition sort of mean the same thing. It's more of a technical more technical details about how the the legal transaction is actually executed on whether it was actually a merger or an acquisition at at the high level. Like I said, I don't think it really makes much of a difference to anybody. Um, You know, we went through this with Stackify. We, we would have preferred to do a merger, but um, that would have meant the company that acquired us would have acquired more of the potential liabilities. So they wanted to only acquire our assets. So we sold them our assets of the company and the company still exists as a shell. The you know LLC like operating company legal company still exists, um, and they didn't want to acquire the whole company because they would have also acquired all the liabilities that came with it. However, they also would have acquired like all the legal contracts and and other things like that. So like agreements you have with vendors and things potentially um, move over a little easier, I believe. Um, where if it's an acquisition and they only acquire the assets, they're just buying the assets and the company still lives on. So it's, it, a lot of it's just kind of technical differences. Well, there's, and there's a whole lot of levels of acquisition. Like you mentioned, like acquiring a company's assets. Um, you know, and for those of you that aren't aware, I worked in the music industry for a long time and it went through a really turbulent time when the internet came out because it just kind of flopped a lot of, it, it put retailers that couldn't compete with things like Guitar Center in a, in a bad spot. And you saw musical instrument lines go out of business and then people would just acquire the name. Right. Like, cause the name had brand value and that's an example of acquiring a company's assets, but, uh, shoving its liabilities off to the side. So some of these, you know, like a, for a, you know, a musical instrument manufacturer, like Gibson guitar might have a really big name, but they might've accumulated a shitload of debt along the way. Now the name is very recognizable and that has value, but the liabilities are the debt or who knows? It could be a ton of different things. It could be an employee that, that got the, fired a year ago that now wants to sue you for some HR. Those whatever. move on. Those whatever. move on and into a form of vapor or bankruptcy or non-existence. And, and that's the way it goes. And, you know, I also worked for a, um, a, a chain of, of retail stores at one point that went through an acquisition. And, you know, it was the, there were certain parts of the company that the acquiring entity wanted and the rest of it, they just shut it down. Yeah. And, well, you went through some of that at Venn Solutions and, you know, this that was your first company that was acquired. And you mentioned that you guys had four or five things that you built or ran or did and uh, Auto Trader only wanted one of them. Well, so it was a, it was a whole pro it was a whole, it was a platform basically. And the platform had several products and, you know, they acquired all of it, but over time they shuttered right. various products over time. Yeah. And part of this because they had acquired like 15 companies and there was overlap. So there was like, we did websites for car dealers, but they had another company they acquired that that's all they did with websites for car dealers. So they didn't want us yeah. to do it anymore. They wanted that other, you know, subsidiary, uh, company to do it. So yeah, over time they kind of shuttered various product offerings. 
So in a, in a real talk kind of way, when it comes to an acquisition in a tech company, and you know, here we are 47 episodes later about how to start a tech company, here's the reality is, is software companies usually operate at a loss for a while. Is that fair to say, Matt? A lot of them do because they're in growth mode. They're trying to improve yeah, the product yeah. or acquire customers. Yeah. So, so you're spending way more than you normally would in a standard budget for marketing or sales and, and sometimes product development and stuff like that. And you just don't show a profit on paper, which means that a lot of times the founders, you say like, why is a found, why are founders obsessed with acquisition? Uh, here's the thing is a lot of times founders have been making jack shit. Oh, absolutely. Until the acquisition. That's like the big prize. Like you're living, you're living like on peanuts. And then all of a sudden here's the end of the rainbow and there's the leprechaun with the pot of the gold. And, you know, it's like, woo, and, and, you know, then you get the Island and the foo-foo drink, but that doesn't always work out that way either. But, you know, but, but that's really why that's such a big prize because it's just, a, it's like a, I mean, I don't want to say a lottery ticket, but the check could be like that. Now, the reality is a lot of companies get acquired and the founders don't always get paid as much as you think they would because along the way they have taken in investments, yeah. have, there's a million different things. Now, here's the thing is when the acquisition quote party starts, well, there's an order in which people get to line up and pull gold yep. out of that chest at the end of the rainbow. And a lot of times the founders or sometimes, and sometimes investors are different people along the way because that's, that's that whole order of operations that occurs during fundraising. And, you know, it's like what, liquidation preference is the term for that, yep. which means some people get paid first. So you, you might read like so-and-so company gets acquired for $10 million and, you know, you, you're, you're like, wow, those founders just got 10 million bucks. Did they though? Because probably not, right? No, no. The VC that just invested probably got their, you know, 3 million back plus a, another 3 million from their liquidation preference or minimum returns or whatever. And then there's other investors to pay back and whatever. And the founders got a million or 2 million bucks or something. Maybe it, you just never know. And, and that's, and that's not like, and in that situation, I mean, we're not trying to sound so highbrow that oh, only a check for 2 million, yeah. but I mean, the thing is, is it doesn't always equate to, it's like, it's like, you know, if you, someone asks you about your business and they're not really savvy about business and they use, oh, you did $7 million in sales. And some people literally will think, oh, you made $7 million last year. It's a big difference between sold and what you quote made right. at the end of the day, because they are very, very different. And a lot of times you see some of these companies will do huge sales and lose money. So well, and I've I've got know. a couple angel investments I've done over the last ten years that have been close to selling <clears throat> a couple times. And honestly, their goal was was really just to be able to sell and make the original investors whole. Like I'm just going to yeah. be lucky to get my money back at this point. Like I'm this is not going to be like a home run or a grand slam or anything. I'm just hoping to get my money back. And they're and they're trying to be good stewards of that too, right? They're trying to yeah. find a deal that will let the investors be made whole and let the investors get their money back. And sometimes that's just the way it goes. I think we're investors together in one of those, but we'll leave it at that. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> but that's the way it goes. So that, but that's the thing. That's what you sign up for, you know, and when you, you know, we've had so many different investors and founders and, you know, people on the show and, you know, the, the, the VCs and the funds and the people that work at that, that have, that have been here on Startup Hustle, they'll tell you, you know, we're hoping one in 10 work out. Well, <laughs> so, so Matt, why do you think that bigger companies do acquisitions? Well, there's, I think there's a couple of different reasons. Sometimes it's to increase, they, they see an area where they can, they need to increase their revenue. They, and a lot of times with publicly traded companies will buy another company. It's because they want to show growth. They want the revenue. They think they can move into a space and they have the horsepower to acquire the, the quote shortcut to getting their product out. They want a vertical product that stands up next to what they already sell. So you look at something, let's, uh, we'll use the example of uh, a payroll processing company uh, that might have a half a million small businesses that use them to send out payroll. And you look at a company like Gigabook, which doesn't have half a million users. Well, that company might want to acquire something like Gigabook because they've already got 500,000 potential users and clients that are already paying them, that are already using them. And they say, hey, here's a product that would go really, really well with what we're already selling. So they want to build a suite of other products. So they think that acquiring a company like that, that they can they can add users, build revenue and grow that company without having to go through crazy levels of customer acquisition costs, research and development or something like that. In some cases, they just want to get rid of their competition too. Yeah, like, absolutely. Hey, there's, yeah. So, you know, Jack Welsh was the, the, uh, the, the main guy at GE for a long time. And he did a very controversial thing like 30 years ago because GE does all kinds of stuff. And he said, if we're not number one or number two in an industry, then we are going out of business in that industry. And he sold off everything they had where they weren't number one or number two. Because, it, and, and you can look at this in so many cases. Okay, Matt, what are two department store type, like general stores that are big? You have Walmart. Who's, what's the other one? Target. Okay. And then you, and then when you get to number three, it gets real thin. And those are the two monster players. Name three different makers of razor blades. Uh, Gillette. I don't even know who else. It's one. Schick. Schick. And when you get to number three, it's like way down the line. Yeah. And so, so a lot of times it's like number one and number two, and, you, and you're going to find that a lot. And that's often referred to, and say this three times really, as an ogolopoly. That's when two or three companies have 97% yeah. or more. I think that's the number. Well, I'm like, don't quote me. Don't quote me on that. And don't make comments on my accuracy listeners, but that's what that is. But so these acquisitions occur a lot of times. And then there's another one that a lot of times <clears throat> um, acquisitions can occur because the acquiring party went belly up and it's now like a fire sale. A fire sale, absolutely. So the, so the, so the acquiring party is like, ooh, we can get that for 10 cents on the dollar. And then they're buying that and they get a lot, you know, like, so my mom worked for TWA Airlines for a long time. And this is a, another kind. And it was acquired by Carl Icahn, who's a very well-known investor today, who then just turned around and sold the whole thing for parts. Because the parts, all the airplanes, the, the routes, 
the terminals, all that shit was worth way more than what he acquired it for. So that's, I mean, and that's a hostile takeover in some regards, but I mean, buying it just to sell off the parts. So, I mean, those are some of the reasons. And guess what, Matt? That's four of about 400. Well, so you you were just talking about acquiring your your competition. And, And I think one of the things that's interesting there is in a lot of spaces, you see your competition coming. Right. Like if you're Facebook and something like, say, Clubhouse comes out, they can sit back and they can just watch it. They can just see what happens and they can decide, like, well, do we want to go try and acquire that thing? Is it a threat to us? Do we want to build our own version of it? What do we want to do? Right. And at any time they can stroke a big enough check if they want to to basically make them go away and decide to roll it into their. Well, that's that's what they did with Instagram. That's what they did with the gram. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and this definitely plays out in B2B software a lot where like Venn solutions, you know, we can only grow so fast. It's not a consumer based product. It's not like overnight we grow like a hundred fold. We're growing at a slow pace, right? And our competition can just sit back and they can just see us. They see us slowly, the snowballs just slowly getting bigger. And at some point in time, then they decide, you know what, what are we going to do about them? Are we going to acquire them just so we can add them to the list of names of our product. Like you go buy a product and you're, you're buying our product under seven different names and we win every way. And that happened in automotive. There, there was one company that owned a whole bunch of different things and you would have never known they owned them all. Um, but th- the point is like a lot of times your competition sees you coming and they just sit back and wait and they start to figure out what, what do we want to do? And one thing we haven't really talked about yet as well is like the size of acquisitions. Cause a lot of these companies don't want to acquire things when they're very small. They want to wait right. till they're doing 5, 10, 20, 30 million a year in revenue. They don't want to acquire something that's got a million dollars in revenue that hasn't proven and you know doesn't have product market fit and has all sorts of problems to figure out. They don't have time for that shit. They just want to buy stuff they can they can pour uh, you know fuel in the fire. Unless they're acquiring something that's more of like an aqua hire, right? Where they're like, okay, we're going to hire this thing because we really want the team. Maybe we've got something else yep. we want the team to work on that's a bigger idea but we really need the talent to go work on this other idea. Well, you you, you know, that is a, a, a great one to add to the list, the aqua hire. Like a lot of times you see big companies will acquire much smaller companies because they want that level of expertise. You're seeing like we don't that know anything about that. that. Lot, yeah. We don't know anything yeah, about that like product. A lot, or industry. a lot of cutting edge and emerging technologies. You'll see that like there's an AI company somewhere that is about to get acquired because some huge conglomerate needs that level of skill expertise and whatever. And, you know, like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons now, uh, you know, when it comes to, to acquisitions, I mean, the, I I think the more common one, the more common approach is the adding a vertical product though. Like that's kind of what happened with Netrio and Stackify, right? They wanted to, they wanted a product that slotted right in to the application performance monitoring and management space. And that's what you have. Yeah. So they did more server infrastructure monitoring, which had also a different user uh, persona than our application monitoring. Our application monitoring was more developer centric. So they had, they, they were products that were complementary of each other, but didn't really have a lot of overlap. So, and then some of it is there's a, there's a hub and a spoke model mm-hmm. that works out really well. And you see this a lot as well. So I mentioned having worked for a chain of, 
of retail stores that sold uh, musical instruments a long time ago. And so some industries are fragmented. And this was one that was a really good example. So, uh, at, you know, and this was 15 years ago. So musical instrument stores were re- very regional at the time. And they, uh, a lot of them did band and orchestra uh, instrument rentals. Matt, did you ever rent a trumpet or something no. like that? I played the drums in okay. middle school. So for band and orchestra uh, rentals, that's a, a cash cow for a lot of those companies because they buy a trumpet for a hundred bucks and rent it out for $20 a month for like infinity. Um, so that's a stable pillar and a commonality that this particular chain and acquiring party saw. So what they did was they, they bought six different chains of stores that had anywhere from one to seven locations and then they mush them all together. So now what you run into is, is you have a lot of redundancy. So the cost of running 40 locations from a management and central, like centralized operation perspective is a hell of a lot cheaper than running 10 stores. Meaning like once you have an accountant, once that accountant's like working on it, it's not a whole lot more work to enter 40 items as it would be to be 20. And and so there, so you have one marketing department, you have one, you know, uh, you know, uh, 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 set group of buyers and a lot of stuff. So you, you dollar cost average that over 40, 50, 60, now 70 locations. And it becomes, so you, you trim out a lot of expense and you can take, six different parts that might just be breaking even when if you put them together and you do an accurate and efficient job of that, you may have a wildly profitable company at the end, as opposed to six individual units that were just kind of getting by. And, you know, you'll see that a lot. That's the, that's the consolidation uh, effect, you know, and you see a lot of acquisitions and that, and that happens a lot too with the, um, the co- when you uh, companies that are uh, you know and going bankrupt or losing money or whatever, then they will just you know the bigger company come the bigger healthier unit comes along and just snaps them on, and they fire half of the people that worked there because they don't need three people doing the same thing as one. Now, from a human perspective, <clears throat> that's not always real exciting. From a business perspective, though, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it does. And, and you know, we, we saw a little bit of that when Netrio acquired Stackify, right? Like w- there was um, some there was some natural people on the Stackify side that say, decided to leave. They're like, okay, you already have a director of marketing. I'm currently the director of marketing. Yep. I don't really see the need for there to be two of them. I'm going to take this as my own moment to just leave. And we, we saw some of that, right? Where there was some natural attrition. Um, we didn't like- That could go the other way too, though. The acquiring party yeah. might, they, and so that's kind of like that mix. You mentioned aqua hire. Mm-hmm. So that's like when, you know, the and the, it's the thing is, if you have to think about it, if you're a business person, it's your job to make the best decisions on on behalf of your business, for your employees and or your shareholders. So if you have three people that suddenly do the exact same thing, who does it the best? Or Or- or is one person that does it similar in quality to the other person sixty uh, percent of the cost? Well, and that's the shuffle you have, right? And like when Netro acquired us, they hired me as the 
chief technology officer. So now all of a sudden there was there was a whole bunch of people that had a new boss, right? Like, oh, we acquired this company, but this guy came in and now he's he's in charge, right? So even though they acquired something, they didn't they weren't necessarily, um, you know, it's like who was in charge was flipped, right? Um, and so you you see some weird mix up there. And um, overall, that was a challenge for me because you know I'm I'm coming in as an executive to an existing team, and I don't really feel like I have yep. a lot of control. Even though I have the job title, I didn't really have any of the control. I was still kind of, um, you know, a, a little powerless to to really affect things, and and that was frustrating for me. And um, you know, I I left there three months ago or so, but um, yeah, the, those those acquisitions are always tough. That that chain I used to work for, the very first day I I showed up to work was the first day after post acquisition. But I had nothing to do with that, right? I was just hired. Uh, but everybody there just made the assumption that I was part of the wagon train that rolled in with the acquiring party. So I got to deal with what you were dealing with, but for none of the same reasons. Yeah. Like I had nothing to do with it. I was just hired to do a job. But because of the timing and when I showed up, it was really weird, man. I had to like, I mean, it was, they were treating me almost like I was a spy. Like you should have you know, started two weeks later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, no, or two weeks earlier. Yeah, two weeks earlier would have like been I'm a little not better. Not on either team yeah. here, guys. Come on. Oh, dude, it was it was a lot to climb through because you know, and I was a a, a zone manager, so I was a, a, in charge of one third of of a, of a store model across fifteen different locations, and you know, I'd go to these new places. They just assumed that I was there. I'd show up on that very first visit and they, and everyone was like sweating bullets. They thought I was there to like fire people. I'm and I'm, and I'm just like trying to do my job. It was, uh, you know, now man, speaking of doing a good job, where do you go when you want to create, manage and grow your business online? Because Wix is the leading website creation platform. You can create a site with designer made templates that can be customized for your business and they look great on all devices, reach new audiences with intelligent SEO tools. It's designed to get you found on search engines. So you manage it all from one place. You can do it at home. You can do it at the office. You can do it on the go. You'll never miss a thing when it comes to your business. You can join over 200 million people already doing it when you head over to Wix.com and get started. And, you know, thank you, Wix, for sponsoring this episode. And I'm still completely enamored and impressed with the fact that 200 million people. I mean, wow. That's, that's, crazy. that's now that's wor that's worldwide, but to give you context, that's equivalent to roughly half of the U S population. Yeah. That's insane. Good for them. Yeah. I mean, right. So when we, Matt, when we, we just kind of, we kind of give a little bit of a precursor to this before we, we thanked Wix and, and encouraged people to go check out what they're doing, but there are drawbacks with acquisitions, as we mentioned, and like you kind of talked about, you know, you, we both kind of experienced, uh, well, culture clashes of sorts, but when you take two companies and put them together, it's kind of like, I mean, and it really does like, imagine like a jet, two jagged pieces that now get put together. It's, there is a period of, well, uh, much like you mentioned, you have a lot, a lot of anxiety prior to acquisitions. The, the culture clash part of this is a serious problem because if, yeah. if, if you're a small, nimble company that 
is pretty lean and mean. You, you know, you make decisions quickly, you get things done. Um, and all of a sudden you get acquired by this large company that is very process driven and slow. And, and there's a meeting about meetings about meetings and, and, oh my God, it is the biggest, most painful culture change in the world. And, uh, I've, I've been through that and it, it's tough. I mean, if, if you're the guy that's used to getting shit done all the time, now all of a sudden it's like everything just grinds to a halt and you're like, and then like months go by and nothing gets accomplished and you just want to beat your head on a wall. It's just not, it's not fun. And it, there's a big culture change. If only someone had recorded a timeline video of an acquisition occurring, we yeah. might be able to see what, Oh wait, we did that. We did. We did that. Had oh, I'm going to make sure we put a link in the show notes to that. So I dropped off a GoPro and a microphone uh, at Matt's house prior to the acquisition. And um, despite some kicking and screaming on a few days when he didn't want to record, I, I really pushed him to do it. He did thank me afterward because it showed the timeline. But I mean, Matt, I honestly can say that I watched you age yeah. during that because there was a lot of stress. And, you know, like regardless of what it is, you know, your deal isn't closed until they put the money in your bank. And it and, took like six months. And it takes five or six months. Long and that's time. the due diligence process. Yeah. So, you know, when you're a founder, there's a couple of things that you need to, I think you need to expect. One, I think most of the time these deals don't go through compared to do go through. Um, I, I mean, there's definitely a chance they fall apart, but, but even if they don't, they do go through, I would say they are not extremely successful after they go through is, I would say right. more likely yeah, they do happen, but well, the outcome of them is not necessarily <coughs> as, as, you know, wonderful as everybody thought it was going to be. Yeah. And another one, uh, and let's talk about this for a second, because a lot of times it's, you're not necessarily, it's not like the acquisition occurs and then you're unemployed. I mean, a lot of times, Matt, you want to talk a little bit about the kind of requirements and things that are possible when it comes to earnouts and how those work. And like, really, I mean, you, you know all about that. So I'm just going to sit back and listen. Yeah. Another common thing in a lot of acquisitions is an earnout, which is a performance based clause, basically. So they, so let's say they offer to sell the, to buy the company for 10 million and you're like, eh, I want 12. They're like, okay, well, we'll give you 12. Uh, but 2 million of that is basically a, um, tied to performance. It's like over the next 12 months, you've got to accomplish X, Y, and Z, and then you'll get that extra $2 million. And earnouts are a good way to negotiate price from that perspective. It's a good way for the buyer too to try and keep um, keep you interested and keep your head in the game to, to try and you know keep the business running for a period of time. Um, but honestly, earnouts are a disaster. Um, I would avoid them at all costs. And the reason why is that you start out the relationship in a really bad way because it's like, hey, they acquired you and they want your help doing X, Y, and Z and planning for this <clears> thing and strategic goals and integration and all this stuff. And immediately the first thing that should come to your head is like, fuck all of that. I have an earnout, and every bit of that is distracting me from my earnout. So no, thank you. I'm not having any of those conversations. Yeah. I have work to do and I have a goal to hit. I have $2 million at stake. I'll talk to you in 12 to 24 months when the earnout is over. And like, this is not a good place to be. It's, it's a bad way to start a relationship. 
And, um, but that, that's the reality of what happens. And it, it really starts, creates really kind of sour relationships, if you ask me. Well, and it's, it's, it's a bit of indentured servitude in some regards, just meaning like, you know, it's like, um, cause you know, in some case you talk about, well, why do you, why would you want that? So I'll get, you know, we like to give our real life examples. So at full scale, over the last four years, I've been the face at the meetings or the talking head in the videos. And we use videos to communicate with a couple hundred people that are overseas. And we do a lot of that. If all of a sudden we announced that we had been acquired and then I was gone, it would just be, it would be weird. It would yeah. be weird because there would, it would create a lot of uncertainty and, you know, so the, 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 the spirit of continuity yeah. and leadership and not wanting to erode, dissolve. And so, cause there's so much anxiety around, uh, why, why is the acquisition occurring? Is this good? Is this bad? And really in the end, people often flee to the highest ground, regardless of whether the floodwaters are visible or not or whether well, they're actually really coming. So so the companies that are acquiring you, they want to make sure that they're not going to just blow everything up because right. especially in like an aqua hire type model, it, like at full scale, if all of a sudden half of our people left, that would be a really, really bad thing because they're in contract relationships with different clients. And that would not only affect our business, it would affect our relationship with a shitload of clients. So you want to maintain that stability, but it also is a challenging thing for a founder because let's look at it a couple of ways. One, you mentioned, Hey, I want to focus on this earnout. Another thing is like, okay, so let's say you do get a check for 20 million bucks. How do you wake up the next day? Are you like, man, I better get right to work. It can change you. It has a little bit of an effect on it. No. So uh, yeah, and actually funny story there. When <clears throat> auto trader acquired us, um, they actually made a bet. The auto trader executives made a bet on whether or not I would leave first or our, um, my main business partner, who was basically in charge of sales, would leave first. And they made a bet that um, I would stay and the other guy would leave. And it was like a $10,000 bet or something stupid. Wow. And, and I ended up leaving first. I left like as soon as possible. I was there like six months and I left. And um, yeah, it was it was a funny story because it got we had an earnout through the end of December and it got to right after Thanksgiving, like being in December, and it got to the point where the earnout was sort of already over because it's like we signed up a new customer in December, like we don't receive the revenue until January anyways. And if somebody cancels, they, you know, doesn't affect our revenue until January anyway. So the earnout was basically over. And I went to uh, Mike, who was the CEO, maybe business partner. And I, I asked Mike, I'm like, I didn't even know. I'm like, how long do we have to stay here? Like, do I have to stay here for a couple of years? Like I got the big check and I was good with all that and whatever I needed to do, like I'll do it. And he's like, I'll never forget. He just looked at me. He's like, Matt, they abolished slavery a long time ago. If you don't want to be here, they don't want you to be here walking around like a zombie all day and not getting anything accomplished. So if you don't want to be here, you can leave. I'm like, shit, I'm out of here. <laughs> and and yeah. that was the end of it. Well, and, and on the flip side of this, in some cases, the uh, acquiring party doesn't want, they, they want to chop the head off of the snake. Right. They want a new, they, they want don't a new, want you around. They want, yeah, a new they leader. want something new or they're, yeah, or they want, so, okay. So in, in medieval times, uh, you had a king and a queen. Yeah. There wasn't like co-kings and co-queens. So going typically- on. 
Yes. Typically one king beheaded the other. Yeah. And there was a, a very strong reason for that. And that was, to, they didn't just uh, uh, move him a continent over because then there's always the lingering question, is this person raising an army and coming back yeah. for, for the for the crown? And so, and, and, you know, from a leadership perspective, it really can cloud the vision and the clarity of a company's direction and mission if there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, like even after the the acquisition of Stackify, right? Like there was still sort of the Stackify team and then there was the Netrio team. And even though we are all supposed to be part of the Netrio team, there was always still like this little fiefdom of like the Stackify yeah. people, right? And and especially mm-hmm. for as long as I was there and other key executives were there, that would always sort of be there a little bit, right? And But if I leave and a couple other people leave or whatever, then yeah. Every, the, the the other leader is gone. The the, the rogue leader is gone. <laughs> well, and, and I don't want to, you know, we talked about anxiety uh, amongst the staff during acquisition. Um, I don't want to paint that as a picture that's always a terrible thing because there's a lot of people that will, that a lot, and I think the smart people look at the acquisition is like, oh, wow, I've got this much more of a company to grow into and grow through and this many opportunities. And then a lot of times it's even a stability thing. Yeah. You know, and and that's the way I work work for a 1500 person uh, company as compared to a a 10 person startup that I'm wondering, like you might, they, maybe they get better benefits. They get, they might even get a a big pay raise. Well, and and that's how we pitched it to our employees, right? When we got acquired, it's like, well, now instead of working for our little company, now we're owned by a much bigger company that's backed by private equity and all that stuff. So it's, you know, better job security and there's more opportunities and, and all that. But there was, we still had a fair amount of employee turnover because, some people that may have had like just rustling in the back of their head of whether or not they liked working for us or not, all of a sudden have a reason to rethink their future, right? Or, yeah. or like, oh, well, well now you like change. You have they, a new. Yeah, they don't like change, and yeah, yeah. they don't want to go. They don't like. They don't like feeling like they're blindly going into the unknown. And and for some of them, it's like, oh, you have a new boss now, and that gives them the the yeah. that moment to say, you know what? I don't know if I really want to work for this person. Now's the time no, to that, go. That happened to you. You were the boss, and then you had a boss. Yeah, I had a boss for the first time in my life. Now, now, founders and entrepreneurs out there listening, because I openly admit I would be. I'm not. A, I'm not an employee. I'm an employer, right? And it's a different dynamic. It's a different dynamic. I mean, it really is. And you're like, oh, I could deal with that. Okay, so really when it comes to the acquisition, you're thinking about what price can you deal with that for on some <laughs> levels? Well, and that's I mean, working in the it, corporate it, it, world yeah. in general. It's how much bullshit can you deal with to actually survive in yep. the corporate world? But yeah, yep. you're, you're absolutely right. And, and that was one of the frustrating things for me, right? It's like I'm used to making decisions and getting things done and all that kind of stuff. We're now I'm part of a bigger executive team where I don't have a lot of weight anymore. I mean, I can say, yeah, we should do yep. that. But I'm not really the one that can go kick people's butts and get the stuff done. You know, there's other people that have to do that and it becomes you, much you more were, bureaucracy. You were, the, you were the dethroned king trying to collect taxes within the fiefdom, Matt. Yeah. It's just a different uh, world. Speaking of, speaking of which, I've got something I need to tell you. Okay. You ready? Yeah. 
Today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Wix, helping you create a website that you're proud of. Discover the platform that gives you the freedom to create, design, manage, and develop your web presence exactly the way you want, not the way a boss wants if you don't need to. There you go. Go to Wix.com and check it out. You know, Matt, uh, I got to say, and thanks again, Wix. Look, if you are starting a business and you want to start a business, do yourself a favor and just go to Wix and make a simple website before you start trying to pitch people on your business. Because I get people in my inbox weekly that that want to work with me or us or whatever. And they're like emailing me from like a Gmail or a Yahoo or an AOL or God knows what. And I just have a hard time taking them seriously. Like if you have what? an idea or a concept that you're wanting, like buy a freaking domain, go to Wix, set up a simple website, and then email the people that you want. Because I got a hard time taking you seriously as an Wait entrepreneur when you're sending me a Gmail. If somebody sends me an email from an AOL account, I'm just going to assume it's some old dude with a lot of money. <laughs> it's yeah. an old dude with a lot of money. <laughs> Do not try There's to pitch your left. tech company. Do not try to pitch your tech company for really anything with a Gmail, Yahoo, or AOL address. Go buy a freaking domain. Yeah. You can probably do that through Wix too. I'm I'm fairly certain you can. And turn it on, set up the email, and then do it. And by the way, Matt, that's not a big investment. No, less than 50 bucks. Not a big investment. Yes overall. So, all right. So here we are. We're at the end of, of, of episode 47. We're, we're here in the home strat match. We're, you know, we're, we're getting close. Um, you know, we've talked in the, over those last three weeks about, you know, we, last week we talked about raising capital in later stages prior to that, for those that aren't getting acquired or doing anything we talked about, is it time to quit? We talk about scaling your team during high growth. I mean, we were, we're, we're nearing the end, you know, we're uh, next week, we're going to talk about the true preparation for the exit. So now we know what is an acquisition. We're going to get into some of the nuts and bolts about what it takes. Now, look, I'm going to prep everyone. The preparation for an exit. It's not fun. No, it's like getting a divorce. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Except for you might get paid on this one. Where, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you say why? Because I mean, that's what we're going to get into. It's like, uh, Matt, if you had to inventory everything in your house right now, just all of it, I mean, oh, would God. you be cool with that? Because no. I'd be like, I mean, that terrifies me. I just, I'm, the, I would just throw stuff away in favor of actually like counting it or do whatever. But yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, preparing for an exit. So. All right. So, you know, in, in sports, like we'll use baseball as an example, they have sal- salary arbitration and that's when the two parties don't agree on what the salary should be. So they, uh, if you've been in the league long enough, they'll let a, a, a mutual uh, middle person uh, decide who who's right and who's wrong. Now, a lot of people, they, they don't put players through salary arbitration very much anymore because it basically as a, it, they're putting you on trial essentially. They're saying, well, you want $3 million. We want to give you a million. Here's all the reasons why you're only worth a third of what you think you're worth. It's a bad way um, to start a relationship. Really, it's not, it's, or continue on. It's yeah. not really a great way to build confidence and make someone feel excited about being involved with you either. But it's a, it, when it comes to the exit, 
there's a lot that goes into that. And, you know, we, I mean, enough that it's its own episode and, oh man. I have battle scars from that. I know you do. I know you do, buddy. I know you do. Well, Matt, I'm going to just see you next week because I'm going to go mentally prepare myself for preparing for an exit. All right. See you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.